Welcome to the SoulWorks Podcast, a place where we explore self-care strategies that lead us to our well-being and highest self. I'm your host, Ade Chakol. Hi, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the show. I love being here with you guys. I appreciate you so much. I love you all so much. And for those of you who are new, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I am so grateful for you. I welcome you with an open heart. Thank you so much for being here. And like many of you know, every time I bring a lovely guest here to share, you know, so much wisdom, so much knowledge. And I can't tell you how much I've learned since I've started interviewing all the beautiful souls that I bring into the podcast. And I am sure that a lot of you are enjoying them and learning from them as well from all the reviews that I've gotten. It seems like you're all enjoying them. So I'm just so grateful and I'm just so honored to be, you know, bringing in people to share their story, their experience, their knowledge um, so that you all get all the tools and resources that you need to become your highest selves. You know, that's all what this is all about. That's what I am all about. I am here to give you, provide you, and share with you all the knowledge that I have and all the knowledge that people that I absolutely love and look up to and just inspire me. I bring that to you so that you know, your journey towards self-growth and your highest self becomes just much more easier. With that said, I have such a beautiful guest here, beautiful soul with me today, Shadine Francis. She is just amazing. She is a sought-after speaker. She's a licensed psychotherapist and media personality whose expertise span the domains of sex therapy emotional intelligence, and social justice. She has been featured on platforms like ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and the New York Times to share her unique perspective. She's known for her signature brand of warmth and humor. Shadeen is invited to speak internationally on topics like sexual self-esteem, overcoming shame, and relationship design. So I don't have to say much. You guys can see how knowledgeable, how amazing she is. And I'm so lucky. I feel so grateful that she will be sharing so much wisdom with us today. So without further ado, I will take you to Shadeen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I have such an amazing guest with me again today. I have Shadine Francis. Shadine, thank you so much for being here with us. I appreciate the work that you do and for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So before I start asking any questions, I have a question that I normally ask all my guests. What's your morning routine like? <laughs> oh, what is my morning routine? I don't know that I stick very consistently uh, to a routine. My days look so different. To introduce myself a little bit, actually. So hi, everyone. My name is Shadeen Francis. I am a licensed psychotherapist, specifically a marriage and family therapist. And I specialize in sex therapy and social justice. And so my work is really organized around allowing people to live lives of peace and pleasure 
right? That I help people have difficult conversations. I help people overcome the obstacles and the barriers that keep them from feeling empowered, feeling free, and feeling like they are able to live lives that feel good. And so the way that that looks in relationship to my morning routine is that I'm, I am a person that likes a lot of different things and my work often takes me a lot of different places. So my days uh, look really different. I think the only thing that is consistent about my mornings is that I kiss my husband and I drink some water and, you know, do the brush teeth, wash face, get ready for the day. But I do love a day that starts with some quiet. I do love a day where I can get outside in the morning and I'm a, a boxer and so I love a day that I can start on a heavy bag. That's so beautiful. Yes, every day is different. I just love to hear what, you know, people do to set themselves <laughs> up for, you know, a great day. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Of course. So tell us about you. You are licensed family therapist. Like you mentioned earlier, you're also sex therapist. Tell us how did that unfold in your life? <laughs> so I end up telling this story very often. It's it's funny. Nobody asks like doctors, like what made you want to be a doctor? But you know, when you become a therapist, people are like, why are you doing that? <laughs> so for me, I, I felt really different growing up. Uh, there were a lot of ways in which I knew that there were conversations that weren't being had and conversations that felt really important. And maybe a lot of listeners have felt that way as well. Maybe you have felt that really knowing that there's more information that I need, right? And there weren't really places to go uh, to have those conversations, right? My people are Caribbean. And so there were a lot of conversations that either weren't had or were had in a way that made me feel pretty disempowered or confused or ashamed. And so part of my entry into this work was really to act as a resource for people to have more information. It didn't occur to me that people who wanted to teach became teachers. And very early on, I felt really connected to people's pain and knew that I wanted to find some way to transform that. And the thing that made the most sense to me and the only models that I had for people who were working to heal people's pain that wasn't living on their bodies, but was living in their hearts or on their spirits was a therapist and, and so here I am. Mm, yeah, that's that's really beautiful. You really led me to my question is, you know, many people remain unhappy with their relationships or their sexual life because they don't know how to communicate their needs or wants. And even just by having those needs and wants, they feel wrong and mm -hmm. ashamed and most of it comes from you know conditioning or our culture i know from my own culture we are talking about romantic relationships uh, or talking about sex is almost it is actually a taboo subject and we don't talk about it which leads to unfulfilled life mm -hmm. so what are the best ways to have like an open, clear, vulnerable conversations? How do we even start? Yeah, I think that there are stages that we go through. And of course, there is not like a universal perfect system. But what I have seen and what I know is most successful for the most people is to first start with yourself. Right? So what is it that I want? And a lot of people struggle 
in the, navigating their relationships with other people because they're actually not clear with themselves about what it is that they're asking for and why. We get all of these messages and all of these ideas about what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to want. And we just recreate those, often without thinking, because again, this is what we learned. And this is what we think is supposed to happen. Well, what if the things that are supposed to happen, in you know air quotes, don't actually feel good to you? Or what if you're fighting for something that doesn't actually light you up, that doesn't actually bring you joy, that doesn't actually, you know, feed your soul or help you feel connected to that person. You know, the the example that I can think of for my own life. So when my husband and I got married, and my husband is uh, African and I'm Caribbean, so a blending of cultures, and really acknowledging the ways in which both of our families had a lot of ideas about how a marriage is supposed to begin and how a wedding is supposed to go. And both of us are sort of the black sheep uh, of our families, and because of the work that both of us do, are very interested in doing things that feel good to us. Right? We wanted to start off our relationship prioritizing like what represents us well. And so there were a lot of traditional things that we didn't do. There were a lot of rituals that we did in our own way. You know, we had a ceremony on a Wednesday <laughs> in the morning. Wow. And and that made a lot of sense to us, but made very little sense to a lot of other people. <laughs> but it was the exact kind of day that we wanted to have. And when you think about all kinds of traditions that folks can fall into, a lot of them didn't have clear meaning or significant meaning. You know, for example, you know, the wedding cake, right? We decided not to have a cake. And I tell this story not to say, like, you shouldn't have cake. I tell this story. We could have spent a lot of time and energy and money investing in things that didn't actually matter to us. And then if we were to reflect on that time, like what would we be holding on to that really felt good to us? And we do that in our relationships about what our partner is supposed to look like, about what they were supposed to say. And so I encourage people to really take time to think about what it is that you want. And do you only want it because someone told you that that's what you're supposed to want? Right? What do you actually want? And then from there, how do you ask for that? from your partner without feeling like you have to coerce them or trick them or manipulate them or shame them into responding to you. I see a lot of couples in my office and they fight for things that they want when they really could just ask, right? You never take me anywhere, right? The same conversation could be had with a request. I would mm -hmm. love to spend more time with you. Can we go on more dates? Wow. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Uh, you took me back to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I got married at 21. Mm -hmm. And in all fairness, I don't think both of us knew what we were doing. Right. Because, so up, yeah, because up to that point in my life, I was just, you know, checking marks, mm -hmm. you know, go to school, graduate, get the job, and then get married right. um, and even with that when i mean you know we dated i dated my ex-husband for a while and we were in genuine relationship but yeah. you know when i talk about myself i don't think i got married understanding what marriage is i didn't understand what i was getting into because i thought that was just the thing to do right. and 
we ended up having this huge Ethiopian wedding, mm. which lasted like for two weeks. And, you know, there was just so much money spent. Yeah. And I tell you, there were about like 600 people there. I, I probably knew maybe 40, maybe that's like yeah. pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't get into it. If we don't get into it consciously, I think it kind of sets the ground for the marriage. If we don't communicate, okay, what are we getting into? And what are my needs, my wants from this marriage? So that was a beautiful answer. Thank you so much. Of course. And, you know, I want to highlight that we do the best we can with the information that we have at the time. And so I have so much compassion for the choices that we make as we're learning more and more and more about ourselves. And as we grow and as we mature, we are coming into deeper understanding of who we are and what we need. And so ideally, as we get older, we're having more experiences and asking ourselves more questions about how we are feeling isn't working for us so that we can be more selective and more intentional about the choices that we make. That's why a lot of folks find it more difficult to date as they get older. It's not because there are less people actually available. Like, yes, there are some people who are now, you know, considerably unavailable, right? They're partnered, they're married. However, what is also happening and probably more significantly happening is that we are becoming more selective, right? We know too much, <laughs> right? And so you can no longer, you know, just easily fall into a relationship with someone, you know, just because you happen to be at the same place at the same time, right? Which for a lot of us is how we started our earliest relationships, right? I went to school with them. They were in my class or a family friend or, you know, someone said that we might be a good fit together, Right. As we get older, we actually have more depth and maturity around the criteria that would make a good partner. And so I'm able to say, these are the kinds of people that would be a good fit for me. And these are the kinds of people who would not be based on the qualities that they do or do not have in their investment in working together to grow. And so, yeah, I, I extend that to say that for anyone who's still kind of looking to find their their person, right? The person that they're trying to be with to allow themselves to not feel like they've, you know, waited too long or missed the boat, but to honor that they are really getting to know themselves. And so the people that you choose from here will be closer and closer fit to the actual person that you're hoping to build with. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's actually preparing us, you know, every challenge we've had in the past, every relationship challenge, it's helping us get to know ourselves. Yeah. Um, if we're if we're doing the work, right? If we're if we're paying paying attention and listening to ourselves and open to learning. Uh, otherwise we will just recreate the same challenge until we learn it. Right. Our our bodies are very good, our the universe, our higher power, right? That whatever is driving our lives forward will continue to present us with the same challenge uh, until we figure it out. Exactly. It would be like a different face, but the same person. Yeah, same person. Yeah, you'll find yourself in the same relationship over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And going through that, that process as we when we're doing the work and when we're getting to know ourselves, that is you know, like you said, that is the time to question even culture and traditions. 
do I agree with? Because some of the things in my culture, I don't agree with. Some of it I love. Right. But when it comes to, you know, communication with partners and especially setting boundaries, you know, like boundaries, we all need boundaries. And there are so many types of boundaries. There need to be boundaries set up within a marriage. And even if you're a single person, you need to have boundaries or when you're in a relationship. Can you speak to us about, you know, what are boundaries? Mm. Yeah. And also like, what are, you know, when we go deeper into boundaries, like what are sexual boundaries? You know, how do we create them? And how do we maintain them? Because that's also something, right? Maintaining boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love talking about boundaries because I agree with you. They're super, super, super important. And in some ways, I actually don't think we have to create boundaries. Our boundaries in some ways are kind of defaulted, right? That we know when something doesn't feel good. And even if it's not so concrete where we know exactly why it doesn't feel good, when something is off, we do have a gut sense. We do have an intuition. We do have, you know, something that happens with that, with inside of us that says like, mm, no, that this isn't right or that's not what I want. Uh, that doesn't feel good. I'm not happy with that. And so part of our boundary work is to actually honor those messages, honor the wisdom that you have inside of you. I think about boundaries as not just the no, but also the yes. So what are the things that work? What are the things that are good? If we were to imagine like a visual, right, that your boundaries kind of are, are like the, the frame for the house that you live in. So you could have really diffuse or loose boundaries. And so maybe what happens is you like draw some lines in the sand, right? And you draw a box and then you step inside and you're like, great, here's my house. This is where I live now. Those aren't great boundaries because what is going to happen is that any change in the environment is going to blow your sand, is going to blow the lines of your boundaries. And it's going to be very easy for people to step over the line, even if you don't want them to. And some people might cross your boundaries without you even noticing or without them even noticing. And you'll feel it though, right? You will feel when people are in a tender space for you, are impacting you in a way that, again, doesn't feel good to you. So we can't just be boundaryless. Some people go the opposite direction and have these incredibly rigid boundaries. And so maybe what they do instead is they, you know, put up these thick cement walls and they surround themselves in this cement tower. And they're like, great, these are my boundaries. I'm completely inflexible. What I say goes, I cannot be challenged. I will not talk to you. I will not listen to you, right? It is what it is and, and that's how it goes. Well, what happens? You can't get close to that person. There isn't actually any intimacy or vulnerability there because you're pressed up against cement trying to get in and there's not even a way for them to get out, right? And so when we're the people who have those really rigid boundaries, we also feel isolated because we can't connect to the people that we want to connect to either in the same way that they cannot connect to us. So the kind of boundaries that we actually need to have with folks might be more like a traditional home, right? That you set up a frame and you put walls, but you also put up windows, right? So that people can see in and see out, that air can come in, that light can come in. And you put doors such that you can invite people into that space, but that also there's privacy such that they have to knock before they enter, 
And so I know that I'm talking theoretically, but what does that mean in terms of our lived every day? It means you actually have to know what is your yes and what is your no. And for the spaces that are a yes, you can invite people in, into that by making requests or being clear with them. Hey, it feels really good to me when blah, 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 blah. Or something, someone does something that's, that's good or that's nice or that's right. And you say, thank you. You know, I really appreciate that. I love it when you, you know, are kind to me in front of your parents, right? Thank you so much for being willing to go to the store for me. I love spending time with you, right? Can we, you know, try this project together? Or can we, you know, try this position together? Right? All of these ways in which we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with each other, while also being sure to speak up when things are not working. Hey, I was actually feeling pretty disappointed, you know, that you didn't stick up for me in that conversation. Next time I would really love if you hear someone, you know, you know, calling me out of my name or, you know, cutting me off in a conversation, I would I would really appreciate if you could say something. Or, you know, I cleaned the whole house by myself last weekend and I don't want to do that again this weekend. And so I'm expecting and hoping that you will help me. Right. Or else I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm going to leave something for you to do. And that's not a consequence, right? That is a sharing, right? That is an expectation that we can communicate with one another. But we, we need both the yes and the no, right? Because if I can never say no, then I cannot put faith in my yes. Because if I'm not allowed to say no, then do I really have permission to do anything? Right? Mm -hmm. And if I only say no, then I don't get to have any experiences, right? And then how do I grow, right? So boundaries help us be safe. Boundaries help us have fun. And boundaries allow us to connect to people honestly and authentically. Exactly. And I think a lot of people have this issue. I know I used to have it and I still check myself saying no. Because, you know, I grew up kind of being told that you would not be a likable person if you're saying no. And, they, you know, there are sayings where, you oh, you're too rigid or you wouldn't, you know, you're just too st strong and you wouldn't, you're not very flexible. So without knowing it, I struggled saying no. And I think a lot of people can relate to with me about that but when you're i loved the metaphor of a house for boundaries mm. i've never heard it before and it makes things so much clearer it also makes me think about you know there is every time there is the trash in your house and you need to get rid of that because things change things yeah. get broken and you need to look into that so when we have boundaries we need to look at them. I, I think that's important. We need to re-examine them. Are they working? Do we need to change them? So I, I love what you said about that. Also, can you go a little bit deeper into, you kind of touched about it, but a lot of also people feel like, you know, they need to, especially women need to, to compromise a lot in a relationship. Otherwise, it's like, the role of the women to compromise. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because be, with that, I feel like most women, 
you know, sit with their unhappiness, even though they're not happy, even though they're not satisfied with many things, they just say, okay, I'm, it's my role to compromise, you know? Mm -hmm how can we move past that? Like, what are the ways that we can communicate with our partners who are so used to us saying, you know, yes, all the time, who are so used to us doing the dishes all the time? How can we constructively have a conversation with them saying, you know what, I'm not okay with this? Yeah, there's some layers to that question. So I'll try to unpack them. You know, when you when you were asking in the beginning about compromise, it made me think of a clip of an interview from a, a Black American jazz um, singer, and she's also an, an actress and a dancer and an activist. Uh, her name is Eartha Kitt, and she had done an interview in the later years of her life. And the interviewer asked her, you know, what what do you think about you know, compromise, you know, in a relationship, when do you compromise? And she let out this big full-throated laugh and she said, compromise? Compromise? Why would I have to compromise? A man comes into my life and I must compromise? A relationship is a relationship that needs to be earned, not compromised for. Mm -hmm. um, and I heard that a, f a few years ago and it still sticks with me. And maybe because I am the middle child in my family, <laughs> I have strong reactions to the word compromise. <laughs> I'm also the smallest one. So both of my siblings are bigger than me. Uh, okay. And so I would get hand-me-ups and hand-me-downs. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So my, my younger brother, right, he was bigger than me oh, by wow. the time he was 10. So, <laughs> you know, so for me, the idea of compromise, living, you know, as a woman and as the middle child in kind of a world that that uh, is quick to push you to uh, renegotiate what it is that you want or for you to take less than you feel like you deserve or to settle. I'm pretty resistant actually to compromise. What I prefer instead is to negotiate. And while that might feel like semantics, to me, feels less empowering than the other, right? Compromise to me suggests that, you know, you get less than you want and I get less than I want. And then we both just say that that's good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, you know, if I want, you know, pizza and you want curry, then we say, let's get Chinese food. Right. Compromise. <laughs> right. That, but, right. But like neither, neither of us got what we actually wanted. Right. A negotiation. Yeah. Right. Right. And quite often what we compromise for, neither of us are actually very happy with. Right. A negotiation to me, or at least an effective and ethical negotiation, invites us to think about what is actually important to us and then build from there. So I think of compromise as like, what's the big picture? And then we walk our way backwards, right? To like, what's the, you know, what's the thing that we can kind of both agree on that is less than what we want? Right. Hmm. And I actually encourage people to think about, okay, like, what is the most important piece of this? Right. So we get very, again, caught up in what the should be's and the supposed to be's are. And we get really, really tied to what we think it's going to look like. Well, what about this is important to me? What am I hoping to feel? What is the meaning of this? Right. And so if it's, you know, the food, right, maybe I want something savory. Right? Like, I want something that is warm and melty and savory. And maybe the other person says, yeah, I actually want something warm and melty and savory too. Right? And so I'm describing pizza and they're describing curry. 
right? Mm -hmm. But from that point in time, we're still on the same page, right? If we're able to boil things down to what is the actual point, like what is the meaning? What is the purpose? What is the value? What do I actually care about? It doesn't feel like we're saying, I want this different thing than what you want. It might look a different way, but that we can still feel like, oh, we are on the same team or we have things in common, or at least I understand where you are coming from. To to bring it back to a wedding, for example, we we had two traditions trying to sort of mix themselves. But my husband and I were both very clear that this day was intended to be a celebration of the first day we decided to be in relationship to each other, right? So we started dating on June 5th, right? And so our wedding ended up being on a Wednesday because that year, June 5th was on a Wednesday. And so we decided that it was important to us to honor the day we first committed to each other. And so for all of these other decisions that came up in the wedding that we could have fought about or needed to compromise over, we both stayed really clear on what was the purpose. We are celebrating the first commitment that we made to each other. And so it made so many other decisions very, very easy to make. And I invite people to think about that when they are approaching their partners with something that they are asking for, right? Again, like, as you get clear on what it is that you want, like, why do you want it? Like, what is the meaning? Why is it important to you? What are you hoping to feel if you were to get it? And share that with your partner and ask them the same thing for the things that they want. Yeah, that that makes so much sense to me because I immediately went to think about my kids. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Compromise does not work. <laughs> right. And kids are so honest. Like they, oh they will let you know that the things that we do as adults don't make sense. They literally will tell you what? Compromise? No, no. That doesn't <laughs> That's not what I want. I want the whole cookie. Exactly. And really, I didn't think of it this way. But what I end up doing is having a negotiation with them. Right. And they get what I they want. And I'm comfortable at the end. So, oh, my goodness, that really, really makes sense. If we could only do that as adults. And I want to celebrate the fact that you're doing that with your kids, because that was not how most of us were parented. And this is not a critique of our parents. I think every generation of parents takes what they were given and learns from it and then does their best to improve on what they experienced, right? And so I believe that most of our parents did the best that they could and they were hoping to improve on what happened for them. I know that mm-hmm. I did not have, you know, parents that were very quick to negotiate, you know, with yeah. us, you know, parents yeah. were the head of the household and, you know, do as I say, not as I do <laughs> was, mm-hmm. was common in, in my house. And yeah. um, same here, me too. I mean, <laughs> that's how I grew up. Yeah. Uh, I always, always say that my kids are my biggest teachers because yeah. I had them young and they, while they're young, I went through, you know, a divorce and I, started to get to know myself Mm -hmm. and i started to see that they know so much that i am learning already and you know kids know so much so i really ended up kind of opening myself up to them and 
not being the parent, you know, that always tells them I'm right. Sometimes they're right. I've said this once before. I forget like what happened one day. I was just so grumpy, very, very grumpy. And my daughter kind of, you know, she took it for a while. And then right about bedtime, you know, she said, you know what, mama, your grumpiness doesn't control you. You actually get to control your grumpiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she said that to me. I'm like, okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. You know, there's nothing to say to that. Right. Um, wisdom, wisdom. And, yeah. and I love, I love that, you know, when you're negotiating, you're opening up for you know, the opening up space for to have a conversation. You're telling that other person what you're saying matters too. We're not, you know, we're not just closing up on each other. Okay, let's have a conversation. Even if it's like you said, something as simple as what are we going to have for dinner? Mm-hmm. I value your wants. And I think that goes a long way. That's so beautiful. But as we were talking about kids, actually, I want to bring up this topic also. Many of us, I know when I grew up, we don't talk about, like I mentioned earlier, relationships, dating, sex. That's not something we openly discuss about as a family with our parents. You know, our parents will find a way somehow to tell us that you do not do that until you know, you don't, they'll be happy if we don't even date until like we're married. Um, <laughs> that is something my dad used to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up with my dad. I mean, I love him so much. And, you know, he, but he was very strict with boys calling at home. He would literally not even bring us to the phone if a boy would call because of how he grew up. And he was, you know, doing what he knows is best. But we, many people don't have this open conversation. So for us, like, I'm also kind of asking for me, what are the best ways to, what's the best strategy to talk to our kids about dating and sex? And how can we prepare them to be, you know, the best partners for their future partner? So a lot of talking is actually about listening and It's so valuable for kids to have parents who are curious about them, parents who want to get to know more about who they are and what they think and what they've experienced and how they feel. And so a lot of the times our teaching actually begins with listening to them and allowing them to feel heard. And when we do that, kids open up. Kids will tell you a lot. Kids will tell you a whole lot. And the more you can tolerate listening to, the more they will share uh, with you, especially if you're not judgmental and you don't do things that feel like punishment to them for having told you something. Even if there needs to be consequences for behaviors or values that you do not support, that we don't we don't silence them for having shared, right? We thank them for sharing and we thank them for being honest and transparent with us. And as they talk about things, you might start to hear or notice, like this is a place where, where they could use some more information, right? So, you know, you notice that your child is starting to talk about someone in their class, right? Someone, you know, is, you know, oh, that's, that's a, a friend and I like them a lot. Right, that might be an opportunity to start to share with them some things about relationships, 
Right. And that doesn't mean that you now are inviting your child to be in a relationship if that's not true for you, right? Every parent has their own position about that. But it would be helpful to give them the information that allows them to feel confident, that allows them to feel capable. I think a lot of us, unfortunately, the only information we ever got about things were about fear, especially for women, right? That you know, the, the moment anyone talks to you about your body or about relationships or about career opportunities, it was a lot about fear, right? They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to hurt you. You know, your body's going to be painful or everyone's going to stare at you or, you know, just whatever messages that we got. And unfortunately, time and time again, that's what I hear women saying was their introduction to puberty or was their introduction to relationships. And sometimes was even their introduction to like job seeking, right? That, oh, because, you know, you are black and you're a woman, you're going to have to work twice as hard you know, boys are always going to try and, and trick you and they're not going to care about you. And so you have to, you know, be modest and, you know, mysterious and reserved, right? And a lot of the messages also came both too early and too late. I think we got a lot of shaming messages very, very early, right? So people like to comment on, on little girls' weight all the time, right? Or whether or not they're beautiful or whether or not they're kind enough, whether or not 20 years in the future, they're going to, you know, be marriage quality, right? Like all sorts of very bizarre things, you know, that we say about children. But we don't actually teach them any any tools or techniques for, you know, okay, well, what do you say when you're feeling uncomfortable with a boy, right? What does it mean to have a crush on someone? How do you know when you're interested in somebody? And how do you still allow yourself to make wise choices for yourself, even as there are butterflies in your stomach. What are butterflies, you know, in the stomach? Why is that happening? Right? Can we tell folks about their bodies changing before the changes already started so that when their bodies change, they're not freaked out and wondering what is happening to me? Right? Mm. And that is supported by listening so that we have an understanding of what they already know. And we know kind of what some of their experiences are so that we can teach them what is coming up in the next step so that they are prepared. Because unfortunately, so many of us learned through experiences that we were not prepared for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Many of it, you know, a lot of these things, even as parents, we don't even know sometimes. Yeah. I know for me, I'm learning now. So I'm so careful because... I need to first heal my trauma, my fears, before I can even have a conversation with my daughter and my son, you know, about how do you feel if somebody's touching you and you're not comfortable? How do you express that? What are the words that you need to use? Mm -hmm. These are the things that we need to actually spend some time learning and making sure that we understand we this goes back to being aware of self right what are my own traumas what are my own fears before we know that if we go ahead and have this conversation with our kids we're kind of passing on this trauma to them right yeah there are absolutely ways in which we we can pass on our stuff right our stuff and so that's a, a beautiful and important point right that as we 
notice what our kids need to know, it also invites us to learn more, right? Because we have to learn in order to teach. And some of that can happen in similar timing and kids can be actually pretty patient with us, Mm -hmm. Um, right? That, you know, we learn and we share what we've learned kind of as we're learning it. But yeah, Yeah. definitely for the places at which we know that we've had pain and where we've been harmed or where we're not sure, uh, to seek support, right? To seek support and to get more help and so that you can also, as you are healing yourself, you can also end that legacy in your family, right? What we don't want to do, we'll try really hard to do as parents is to not have our kids have to learn things the hard way, especially if we had to learn them the hard way, right? We, We want kids to benefit from the wisdom that we have accumulated in our lives so that they don't have the same experiences we had. Exactly, yes. Yeah, one of the hardest decisions I had to make was, you know, my divorce. There was a lot of comment that came from family. Why are you getting divorced? I mean, you have kids, you should just stay unhappily, like, you know, or it is your duty as a mom. Uh, These are things that people said to me, it's your duty to just take the burden and stay. And I really considered it because I didn't know. But then, you know, finally, I decided, no, this isn't what I want to pass on to my kids because they see it's better for them to see me happy on my own or even struggling on my own because I made the choice that made me happy Um, instead of being in a relationship that isn't working. You know, I think that's something very important because I know a lot of people that are staying in relationships because of the kids. Yeah. But I don't think that's fair for the kids either. Kids will learn some of what you say and most of what you do, right? And so if we teach our kids, you know, that it is important, you know, to prioritize your happiness, and that doesn't mean at the expense of other people, but if you're teaching your kids, you know what, you deserve to live a life that feels happy and fulfilling, but they watch you do something different, that message will stick, right? The message of your behavior, the message of your actions, louder than your words, right? Again, actions speak louder than words. And so how you live your life in front of your children matters. Regardless of what you say to them, you actually have to demonstrate it or else they won't have any model for how to do what you're asking. Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, another thing that shows up for many people is speaking of like unhealed trauma there is unhealed trauma from people who have experienced uh, sexual violence and that is like a huge barrier for them to move ahead in life and it could be even career wise but also relationship wise so what do you think are some of the tools and some strategies that people can use to not only just survive the trauma, but also to have thriving relationships and have a healthy sexual life after sexual violence. Yeah, so sexual trauma is really, really broadly defined. And so I'm going to name it as any experience in which someone has crossed your sexual boundaries. And so 
each individual person gets to decide what has been traumatic for them. And a trauma most simply described, right, trauma on its own is anything that has had significant impact that you weren't prepared for. So really many things could have felt traumatic. And because I know a lot of folks who will say, well, you know, that that really hurt me, but, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. It's not like, you know, it, it's not like they did this, right? Or this person wasn't that. And I think sometimes people um, narrate themselves out of trauma because they don't think it was bad enough to deserve the title. Um, and so I, I just want to affirm people right off the bat that if it wasn't okay for you, then it wasn't okay. And to have experienced trauma is not to say that you are broken now. Uh, it just means that there is a place within you that might need some healing and some some tenderness and some care. And so it starts with, again, like what boundary was crossed? Like what happened that was not right for you? And what was the impact, right? So maybe I no longer trust my intuition or maybe I have literal like physical wounds or scars Maybe I have a hard time staying present because I feel just anxious and afraid. Maybe I no longer feel interested in being vulnerable to people. Maybe I feel more interested, right, in having sex in a way that feels out of my control, right? There are lots of reactions that we can have, and none of them are the wrong reaction, and there's no such thing as, as sort of the right reaction, right? We just do what we do. But figuring out, okay, what happened? What happened to me right? that didn't work? And can I get clear on what was wrong with that? Right? How am I doing now? So what, might, what support and healing might I need? This is a, a place where I often encourage people to seek therapy so that they can work through whatever still needs healing so they can get clear on what it is that they need either from themselves or from the support of other people. And then moving forward, how do I advocate for my boundaries? Unfortunately, a lot of trauma comes from people not being able to speak up for themselves. Maybe they were in danger and so they could not speak up. Or maybe they were afraid. Or maybe this was an early experience and so they didn't really know. They didn't really know that it wasn't going to be okay, but it wasn't. But what do you need to do moving forward, right? What is it that you need your partner or future partner partners to know? You know, it, it actually doesn't feel good to me if you put your hand there, right? You, you can't actually approach me from the back, right? I, I don't like to be kissed here. And it doesn't ha always have to be a no, right? That we can also speak in the affirmative. I really like it when you ask me first before touching me. I really need my partner to take time with me. You need to care about my pleasure. I only have sex with people who care about whether or not it feels good to me. And as you advocate for those boundaries, then you honor yourself by sticking with them. Right? Some of your boundaries will be flexible and you'll be willing to negotiate. And some of your boundaries are not. Right? Some things are just not okay and there's no way around it. It will never be okay to blank. Right? It will mm -hmm. never be okay for you to hit me. Right? And if you know that there are boundaries that are rigid, then you're clear about that with the people that you're interested in. And if they are not 
willing to respect and honor those rigid boundaries, then that is not a partnership that will be safe or successful for you. And those are the ways that you learn to trust yourself again. And those are the ways that we heal and move forward. Exactly. Yes. We need to face our trauma. We need to face that fear and then understand it. By understanding it, we understand ourselves. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's easier said than done. So again, I, I really invite people for any parts of these processes that feel overwhelming or inaccessible, there is support, there is help, right? I know that therapy doesn't have, you know, the most glamorous branding, <laughs> right? But it is the space that is dedicated to helping people feel better. And so in the same way that you might go to a doctor, Right, to help you when you are not feeling well. And you don't have to be like super, super sick. You can really go to a doctor to for a checkup to make sure that things are still going well. Or as you notice things are starting to change to get ahead of it rather than waiting until you are incapacitated. Well, that needs to be the same for your relationship health. That needs to be the same for your mental and emotional health, right? For you to invest in your wellness and in the wellness of your relationships by seeking support a little bit before you're in the crisis, right? Because by the time you're in crisis, things are already really bad, right? So you go when you notice yourself starting to cough rather than waiting until you can barely breathe. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Shading. I always ask this, like you've shared so much with us, so much wisdom, and I believe that we're all here to serve each other. What is it that one thing that me, my listeners can do to serve you? Oh, that's such a beautiful and generous question. <sighs> what is something that, you know, for me, there are lots of ways in which I'm currently supported in my world. I really invite folks, if there is information that you are looking for, if there are ways in which you are hoping to grow and change your life, it would serve me a lot if you would actually invest in yourself in that, right? That as a person who got into this field, really, really caring about people's wellness, it is really challenging to acknowledge how many, especially Black people right, and people of color, broadly defined, don't get the help that they need. And, and so I, I really want folks to be honest with themselves, like if you need more help to pursue that and, and to try and, and get it. And if there is information that I could, you know, create or put out to you, please feel free to DM me on Instagram, or you can reach out to me through my website. Both of those are my name, shadeenfrancis.com is the website and shadeenfrancislmft is my Instagram. While I might not be in a position to respond to each person individually, I am in a place right now where I'm constantly creating content on the back end uh, to start to really address the things that people need to know. And so whatever form of help uh, you might need, I, I want to encourage you to go out and get it. And if there's information that I can provide you with uh, that can help you along the way, please, please reach out. Thank you so much. And I'll include your contact information on the show notes. We're so grateful for you. Thank you so much, Shadeen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I could have kept going. That was just beautiful. Another just amazing 
episode, Shadeen is is really easy, so nice to talk to, and so full of wisdom. I hope that you all enjoyed it as much as I did. There was just so much to learn from her, especially you know that metaphor she put out about boundaries being a house. I don't think I'll ever forget that. That's really, really important to have good structure and have a good baseline for almost anything in our lives. There was just a lot shared in there. And I am so glad that I got to share it with you. Again, you know, if you guys thought this was a good episode and it made you think of anyone or anybody that would benefit, please go ahead and share it with them. Let us all serve each other by doing something as simple as sharing a podcast, which we think somebody might benefit from or somebody might like. And that's all I ask of you. Let us keep each other in mind. We all human beings, we need one another. And you never know what somebody is going through, what somebody might need. So share your light, you know, even if you don't, you're not sharing this episode, whatever that you've listened to here, it resonated with you. Spend some time thinking about it, spend some time meditating on it, like what it means to go back into yourself and getting to know yourself, um, how you can more, you know, conscious relationship rather than, you know, going with what other people are doing, what the norm is, like what Shadine was talking about, like even about a wedding, instead of just having a wedding that is traditional and what, I mean, if that's what you want, by all means, go ahead with it, but do what you want. And if that's not, you know, when you spend time with yourself and get to know yourself, you know what you want and what you know, what you don't want. And it's okay to break traditions. It's okay to go your own way and have that conversation with your partner, which, you know, we, I know we talked about the wedding, but this goes through the whole relationship, not only marriage, but any kind of relationship that you're in, make it your own by getting to know yourself first and then communicating that with your partner and getting to know them and building up something that is unique to you. Many of us have conflicts when we go into a relationship thinking that it must look a certain way. And then when we realize that that doesn't necessarily work because that's not who we are. A lot of issues arise. That's when conflict begins. So it's just beautiful to get to know who we are by getting to know who we are. And that means also doing the shadow work. That means going into the things that are uncomfortable, healing our trauma, facing our trauma, facing our fear. And there's so many resources. We don't have to do it alone. You know, we can seek therapy, we can talk to people, we can do a lot of energy work. There is just, you know, if you spend your time really getting to know yourself and being really serious about healing yourself, there are so many ways. But do that and then come out with what you can handle and what you can't handle. What are the things that you accept and you don't accept? And then that's when things will start to fall into the right place. That's when you stop compromising and start negotiating because you cannot negotiate if you don't know what you want. Yeah, you might be able to compromise because maybe at that time, whatever the compromise 
is might feel good to you, but then that's not going to last. But when you negotiate, you're negotiating with the terms of what you know you believe in, with your values, with who you are. And that's a, such a, a much better place to be in. So <laughs> as you can see, I really loved this conversation. But go ahead, share it, write me a review. I know I say this all the time, but it helps the podcast. And I love, love hearing from you guys. It really touches my soul. And I love you all. Until next time, bye, beautiful souls. Thank you.